the RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com. And you're very welcome along to this week's RTE Rugby Podcast. Neil Tracy here with you this afternoon. Hugh Cahill away this afternoon. So, obviously, the main focus, Ireland against England this Saturday at Twickenham. I'm delighted to be joined by Fiona Hayes, regular on the RT Rugby podcast, and Tom May, who's going to be alongside Michael Corcoran at Twickenham this Saturday uh, for live commentary on RT Radio 1. Guys, thanks a million for joining us. I'm going to get straight into it because in the last few minutes, uh, as we're recording, the Ireland team has been announced. I'll call it out here. So, in the front row, Keen Healy, Dan Sheehan and Tyg Furlong, James Ryan and Tyg Byrne in the second row. And then Peter O'Mahony gets to start in the back row alongside Caelan Doris and Josh van der Fleer. The back line then is more or less as expected. You've got Jameson Gibson-Park and Johnny Sexton in the halfbacks. Bundyaki and Gary Ringrose in the centres. James Lowe and Andrew Conway on the wings. And then Hugo Keenan is at full back. And a fairly stacked replacement bench. David Kilcoyne, Rod Herring, Finlay Bealham, Ian Henderson, Jack Conan, Connor Murray, Joey Carberry and Robbie Henshaw. So Fiona, I might start with you. Overall thoughts on that team pretty much straight off the bat? Uh, exciting team. Um, I suppose Matt Hansen, feel really sorry for him to be left out. He's been on fire at the minute, but I'm looking at that and I, I, I can see a team that is going to be exceptionally powerful. I think bringing Peter O'Mahony into the back row is is an excellent call. Um, just even moving Doris to eight, we saw Doris against Italy in that position and he just offers so much. He's exciting. And I think we see him more on the ball when he's playing at eight rather than, than maybe at six and we've Van der Fleer at seven. So I think uh, the talk all week, um, Neil, has been around the breakdown and that battle about around that area. And by naming this team, I think we're going to see a, a very, very physical uh, breakdown area. And it's exciting. It, it looks like a good team pretty much standard I, I, I did think they were going to stick with um, bring Aki back in there into the centre and um, we could see that we're definitely going to attack um, the English two centres and get him carrying big ball to create uh, ground so so it looks good I'm happy and as you said that, that bench looks pretty stacked it's going to be it's going to be I'd say they'll be getting a lot of game time 50-60 minute mark they'll be bringing a lot of guys on yeah, Tom, on the on the back row in particular like Peter Romani is probably the big call over Jack Conan because in November and in the early stages of this tournament, it was Doris van der Fleer and Conan was pretty much the, the nailed on uh, back row for Ireland. So Peter Mahoney's in there. Does that give you an indication that Ireland are probably a little bit worried about what happened in the last couple of games where they lost a lot of ball on the ground? I know Peter Mahoney started against Italy, but even in the France game in particular as well, they were in that first half really, really exposed at rock time. And you would imagine that's where England are going to go after again this week. Well, I was in the Stade de France and they got caught out, didn't they, a couple of times with, with, with two key counter-rucks. Um, and I think, I think the likes of um, Pito Marnie, his experience in that area will be, will be really key for Ireland this weekend. Um, you know, you talk about the stack bench. It's, I mean, it's frightening. You know, the replacements you can bring in. You lose someone like Andrew Porter and you can, you can bring in Kian Healy with 114 caps. Like, uh, you know, that's, that's not a bad position to be in. Um, I think I think Ireland have, have evolved nicely under under Andy Farrell, um, and I think he'll lean on someone like Peter Armani this weekend, where he probably feels, you know, they need to try and get an edge, because if they can stop England at source, i.e. the breakdown, then they can force Marcus Smith into a game that he doesn't want to play. Uh, you know, Marcus Smith, as an England fan, we all want to see him with ball in hand skipping around, 
hair flapping around all over the place and him having a great time. But if, if Ireland are, are putting him on the back foot and stopping him at source, I think that makes it very difficult for, for England to get on the front foot. Yeah, and, and Tom as well, like looking looking at the Ireland 15 and even across the bench as well, I, from from the English side of things, what would be the, the area of that starting 15 that you think, first of all, that, would, that might strike a bit of fear into you as an English person? And then on the flip side, what would be the part of that of that team that you think England can actually go after? Well, look, I, I think Ireland have got some, you know, obviously a fantastic team. Um, and I think they're progressing nicely towards 2023. But they've also got some brilliant individuals. I think the likes of Caelan Doris, having seen him in an under-20s tournament a few years ago, I think the way he's progressed, the importance he, the important role he plays now for that Irish team is is you know it's great as for such an, a young player. Um, I love the fact that Gary Ringrose is is sort of back to where we saw him a few years ago. Those outside breaks we've seen one or two during this Six Nations. Um, that that for me is that midfield combo in in, in Aki and and Ringrose is a bit of a threat to England. Because we don't necessarily have, and this is a big problem that Eddie Jones has right now, we don't have a like-for-like replacement for Manu Tuolangi. Um, and I think both from a defensive point of view, because he does strike fear into people, uh, <laughs> uh, and an attacking point of view, where he poses a huge amount of defensive um, problems for, for midfield uh, setups. Um, I, I, I think probably Ireland have the nudge of England in the midfield. Um, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's quite interesting to see a young player in, in Marcus Smith come up against such an experienced campaigner in the form of Johnny Sexton. Um, how does that pan out? How does the game management, I think at the weekend, well, hopefully it stays as it is now, you know, fairly, fairly good weather and, and, and we see a good open game. So I think both teams want to try and play like that. Um but, you know, I, I think Hugo Keenan at fullback as well, having having progressed through the sevens, you know, every time he gets the ball, you think, you know, this guy could open up any defence. Um, you know, I echo echo the comments a minute ago about Matt Hansen. I, you know, he, he'll be pretty pretty disappointed not, not to get a shot against England this weekend. But, you know, I, you know, he's got a big future ahead of him. There is threat and fear all over that team. Um, it's not, it's not, you know, I spent some time with Sean O'Brien and Rachel Burford last night. <laughs> Both went for an Irish win, so uh, <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll they, they'll be proved wrong. But but I think it's going to be a tough afternoon for England. You know, someone Tom mentioned there a, a couple of minutes ago is Caelan Doris. So he's at eight now. Seems to just kind of flitter between six and eight quite seamlessly. And he was someone we were speaking to on the kind of media calls earlier this week as well. And he was asked about it and he spoke about how kind of the way Ireland are playing at the moment, there's, there isn't much of a difference between the two and he's kind of able to move back and forth with your own hat on. Like, would you, do you prefer him playing one over the other or do you see him kind of just being this kind of hybrid back row player? He's definitely a hybrid back row player, but me personally, I love seeing him at eight. I love seeing him carrying that ball off the scrum. I think he, I think he gets out of it very quick. He builds up. He's, I'd say, he's zero to ten is absolutely huge in in his running in that speed area. So. I think, you know, obviously breakdown-wise, defensively, he's he's out at the scrum when he's in six, he's making that first hit. But I like see him, I like seeing him on ball. I think he gets his hands free a lot more than Conan. Conan is an excellent ball 
carrier. He gets the yards, he gets the ground. But I think with Doris, we have someone who's constantly trying to break through that tackle and getting his hands free to get that little pop off to the other guys running off his shoulder. So I think watching him, he excites me a bit more at eight than six. But he's fitting into that back row and have him in that back row. And if it's in at six, it's it's wherever he is as long as he's getting on that pitch. And someone also that just popped up in the conversation there, Hugo Keenan, back in at fullback. Obviously, Mike Lowry did so well against Italy and got his couple of tries on his debut. But like Keenan was always realistically going to be playing this game. It, given the kind of player he is and what we've seen of him, that he's just a very cool customer. He doesn't seem to get kind of flapped easy. I know he didn't have his finest game away in Paris, but is he, mm-hmm. is he exactly the type of player you want in a game like England away at Twickenham where there's 80 plus thousand people it's one of the hardest places to go and you just want someone who's going to just stay reasonably calm throughout the whole process and who's just going to play their own game and not get too kind of caught up in the moment. He's a guy that isn't even capped that much and we just talk about him with that cool steady head. He's um, he's just fitted into that slot. I remember having conversations maybe two two years ago about a crisis in that position where Carney was going, we were Zebo was playing away, there was just nothing coming through and he slotted in nicely. But he's not like he runs these lines. He does exceptionally things in the game. But his defense is what I've really impressed me. I think he reads it really, really well in that backfield. And he's the perfect guy under the high ball. We have Conway as well who help him out a bit back there. But under the high ball, he's calm. He's cool. There was never a question. We 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 love Lowry. He's he's amazing. We know what he can bring. But it's it's just that calmness. And I think in a game in Twickenham over there exceptionally I mean the way he's linked up with these two wingers the way he links up with Lowe he's playing with Leinster and he's perfect for that position and he's doing Ireland really really well and I think as he will be the, the starting fullback for a long time Tom we, we haven't seen the, the, the exact England team yet at the time recording it hasn't been announced but like we haven't we have an idea of roughly what it's going to be if you look at the Irish bench which we've touched on earlier on it's, it's probably a fair assumption to make that the Irish bench is going to be stronger than England's bench. So realistically, what, what do England kind of have to be in the game? Where do they have to be in the game around that 50, <laughs> 50 60 minute mark to kind of negate that advantage that we expect Ireland will have? In front. By how much? By how much? <laughs> uh, I think, um, listen, let, let's not take anything away from those, from those guys that are coming on uh, from an England perspective. Um, Yes, there's there's an element to to say that you know the the Irish replacements are are stronger, um, but I think I think Eddie Jones is sometimes quite shrewd in the way that he picks these individuals and 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 he knows that they can add certain dynamic to to um, to the team at certain points in time. Um, I I if we're not that far in front, I think we're in trouble. Um, I think we would probably need to be in front by sort of seven to ten points to to manage that situation. Now, <laughs> we've we've managed to we've managed to manage our way out of one of those situations already in this Six Nations. Mm. Will we do it again? Nearly I, did it. Nearly did it twice. If you, you know you've yeah. done well, so nearly did it twice. We nearly did it twice. Yeah. Um, so it won't happen a third time. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, um, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be such a tight game. And the fact that both of the guys last night went for, went for an Irish win sort of shows that. Um, but I like, you know, I, I think with the team that we think we're going to we'll get from Eddie Jones, you know, Simmons back at eight with, with Don Brandt having had COVID, um, 
you know, Tom Curry back in having having managed his his concussion. I, I like the look of our back row. Um, Simmons is, I mean, the the guy is a physical, you know, beast. Um, and and the and the dynamism that he brings to to ball carries and and where he can pop up in that sort of open phase attack. Should we get it? Should Peter Armani get his mitts off the ball? Um, is you know, I think it, it adds a bit of excitement to to what England can bring. I think. You know, I mentioned it before. We're we're struggling with a a, a direct replacement for Manu, um, and we do need to get that uh, because I think in March and, and um, Slade's outstanding. March is probably right now as close as we can get to to what Manu's um, going to bring, but is is clearly it's still, still quite different. It's still <laughs> yeah. quite different. Yeah, I know who I'd rather tackle. Yeah, <laughs> and like you know, if you think about what Marcus Smith is playing with week in, week out at Harlequins as well, like Andre Esterhazy just outside him, you know, and Manu Tuilangi just fits perfectly in with that system because you look at the Harlequins model and you're like, if you want to build a team around Marcus Smith, that's the model to follow, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And look, we posed the question last night in, in this conversation where we we're saying, had Owen Farrell not been injured, would Eddie Jones have given Marcus Smith that? that sort of unleashed him in the way that we've seen him in the Six Nations. Now I don't think he can go back because I think there's a, there's a, there's a progression to the way England are playing. And I think going back to Farrell at 10, it, that would be a step in the wrong direction moving forward to the next World Cup um, because we know we have plan B in Owen Farrell. We know we can play a different style of, style of um, rugby. Is he an answer at twelve? I don't. I don't think he is. We got too many runners basically outside of outside of Smith. And when you've got someone like that that's constantly trying to look for holes, when you can tip a ball off to Esther Hazen in, in, you know, when he's playing for his club, it makes it so much easier from a decision making perspective. If you know you've got a brute on your outside shoulder, if in doubt, give it to him and he'll sort it out. Um, and I think that's maybe where England. I mean, England have the ability to get around that by using some of their other ball carriers. Um, but we don't see enough of those. So is it like, is it a case that like we presume it's going to be Simmons rather than Dombrand just because of Dombrand's COVID situation? Is it a case of as much as possible be getting Sam Simmons onto the ball, be getting Tom Curry onto the ball, Itoje, Charlie Yules, whoever it takes, even someone like Ellis Gange, get those bigger forwards onto the ball, making the direct carries rather than trying to leave it to, to maybe someone like Henry Slate, who, who you yeah. want as a distributor. A hundred percent. You know, he needs to be there as a second pair of eyes to to um, to Marcus Smith. He's obviously got a left foot as well, which he uses brilliantly. Um, and I and I think if, if look, some of those guys aren't the biggest of carriers. Is you know they're not the most. Maratoge is a big guy, but he's in, in terms of international rugby. There's, there's not probably not many people are thinking, "Well, oh, wouldn't fancy tackling him." Um, but if he can get to edges or or these these decision makers can open up enough space. So they're, they're into, into arm tackles. That's what England want because then they can get one, two, three yards over the game line. And that makes such a difference in those wider channels for the likes of Henry Slade, um, Freddie Stewart at fullback. Um, and I, I think that's where England need to be. If they're stopped, if they're stopped on the game line or you know, knocked back on their, on their backsides, then England have a tough afternoon. Yeah, and Fiona, like that's essentially been the game game script the last few times England and Ireland have met. Who's ever, whoever has won the game line ultimately has gone on and won the game. We saw it last year at the Aviva Stadium where Ireland really dominated there. And even in 
the previous the previous meeting at Twickenham in late 2020, where Ireland had pretty much all of the ball, they had all of the territory, but they essentially had zero gain line success. So England were just kind of happy to make tackles all day. And that's ultimately what it comes down to, isn't it? Especially in these games, I think that's exactly it. It's it's those big ball carriers. But I think we're seeing that in Ireland. In it definitely since November, we've we've learned a lot from that, and we've picked up in the Six Nations. And England, I've been watching them the last two games. They've been getting better and better in their ball carries. I thought the first game, I thought they weren't getting a gain line. Um, you know, I think a big thing for me as well, Neil, is 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 then starting nine. That's going to say a lot about uh, who they're going to go with. If he's going with that Randall and um, um, at, at nine, I think it's going to be a different game plan. You're not, you're not going to see a lot of box kicking. You're probably going to see quick speed of ball, bigger ball carriers. And I think if he goes with Youngs, I think we're going to look at a, an England of old with that up and under and chase. And I know, and I know the game line as well. But I think that nine position is definitely going to say a lot about where what type of game plan Eddie Jones is going to bring to us. Tom, what's the overall kind of feeling in England around around the team at the moment? Because like last week, Paul O'Connell, for instance, was saying that like, OK, England haven't fired on all cylinders yet, but they look like there's a big performance about to come. He says, you know, he feels they're on the verge of a big of a big performance and that Ireland could bring it out of them. Is there that same feeling in England around the team or is it a bit more pessimistic? There's, there's definitely one brewing. Hopefully it's coming on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> but but I think um I think there's an air of frustration actually about what about what England fans have have seen so far this Six Nations. I think everyone was really disappointed by what went on in in Edinburgh, um, because it just it just starts the Six Nations off in such a such a poor way uh, when you have such high expectations for your team. Um, that said, you know they bounced back. They, you know, I. It's, it's pretty difficult, isn't it, when you when you when you have to then come back in and, and play against uh, Italy, um, who you know you're going to beat. Um, but, but everyone's always got got that to, to almost fall back on. It was a great way for England to bounce back. But I think still, I mean, I was at Twickenham for the for the Wales game, and it's just like what you know. After 10, 15 minutes, you thought, oh, this is going to be this is going to be a great performance. It was they were all over the Welsh. They were applying pressure. They were getting the scoreboard was moving. And then it just ground to a halt. And then, as you say, <laughs> did our best to manage our way out of a victory. Um, the the last two fixtures for England are are hellish in terms of you know coming up against the Irish and then going to Paris a week later um, on S- Super Saturday and be the last ones out of the blocks. It's a bit like right, okay, that's, that's exactly what you want as the last two fixtures. And, and probably the toughest two games to try and deliver a massive performance in. Um, but if they're going to do it, it must be easier at Twickenham than in Paris. Do we? Are we kind of forgetting as well that, you know, ultimately we're in World Cup cycles. And if you look back at 2018, the year before the last World Cup, that was a disastrous year for England. A lot of people actually thought Eddie Jones should have been getting fired, you know, after an awful Six Nations and losing a tour in South Africa. The writing felt like it was on the wall. And they turned it around. And if you look at the team at the moment, like there's a lot of players in there that are inexperienced in, in test rugby and 12, 18 months down the line at a World Cup, it could be a lot different. Harry Randall, Freddie Stewart, Max Malins in the last year or two has come in. Marcus Smith, obviously, as well. And that's who you're building a team around. So is there, is there the sense kind of, are, is there still people thinking about the wider picture of, okay, in 12, 18 months time, it could be, it could be a lot different. 
I think there's a there's a there's a there's a large proportion of those people that are hoping. Um, you're always hoping, though, rather than expecting. You're always hoping. <laughs> I think I think um, there there is an element where England have had to evolve, and and I think we've we've mentioned that in terms of Mark Smith, Harry Randall's one of those guys, um, and then we haven't necessarily been the best at giving opportunities when they were needed to be given. Um, these guys have had them now. And, and we know what we can expect from, from some of these players. Um, look, I, I think all teams want to be having a steady progression. And I don't think England have had the progression that they would have wanted in moving towards a World Cup that you would, that you would want to feel confident that you're making the right steps. OK, you might lose one or two, but as long as you see an improvement on the last performance or one or two positives from areas that you had been working on, then I think that's great. Are we making that right now? I'm not. I'm not so convinced. Let me interesting. See, Fiona, uh, to to move the conversation on ever so slightly, uh, the big news we got this week was Johnny Sexton, his contract, which will bring him up until the end of the World Cup, and he's he's given us his word that is going to be it after the World Cup. Whatever whatever happens there, that is the end of the road for him. He'll be 38 years old. Like it's been a remarkable journey, and look, fingers crossed, there's going to be a couple of nice chapters left to write. In. Yeah, World Cup win would be a right way to go out for for the man himself. Uh, look, you know it's it's actually when you when you when you hear it that he's definitely going to be done. It's 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 actually kind of a sad moment as well because you're you're thinking life after Johnny. But I think we're I think we're building along nicely. I think we've we've Joey coming in. We've seen a few other lads step up. So, um, for him, I think he's just outstanding. He's the conductor. He's he's running that orchestra really really well. The way he squares up, he he's just he's playing like he's in his prime and and that's what's so exciting to watch i know he's getting the rest uh, as uh, eddie liked to point out that uh, he's well looked after at club level um but but it, it it's it, it's great it's great for ireland that we're, we're we know what's coming up we we can plan and we can we can get these guys some game time and i think that's going to be the key how andy farrell manages that we've got a november test before this world cup we've a six nations and we've also got that trip down to uh, new zealand so we've got to start thinking ahead it's been set in stone now we know where we're going so these guys have got to we've got to get some lads some game time definitely the young guys coming through I think the likes of Healy and whoever else is around needs to start getting up to those camps from from the outside Tom do, like does it look like a bit of a dice roll from Ireland's point of view to be pinning pinning the hopes of pretty much the most crucial position on the pitch on someone who's going to be 38 years old by the time that World Cup comes around I know obviously he has to prove himself and, and still make the team then, but is there does it appear to be a big risk? Or do you look at Johnny Sexton and think that's someone who is who's still like at the top of his game? Well, I retired and I was nearly 37 and I was playing the premiership, which is obviously not international level, and that hurt. So <laughs> uh, I I would suggest given the given the um Hang on, I'll, I'll ask another question as well. Actually, if you were in the IRFU system and you were being nicely protected and you had your team, <laughs> yeah, exactly. would, you, would you have done another eighteen months out of things? Yeah, I think that. Makes it um, you know, if if you manage properly, it's it's very different. Um, and you know, it's, clearly he's he's a quality player. And I guess from an Irish perspective, that you know, in, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong or not. And you and I guess you just touched on it there. There's been an element where it could be levelled at the Irish management and coaches that these guys should have been given chances way before now. And actually, you know, we're in that cycle and yes, there are games left, but 
you know, should one or two players get pick up big injuries, then then where do you go? Um, and you, you you have to try and learn more about a wider group, and it's it's very difficult, I think, when um, when so much is revolved around one bloke, mm. um, and 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 you know that's a good thing as well as a negative. You know that he's it's revolved around him because he's been playing so well for so long. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm, it makes my eyes water when I think he's he's going to end up being 38 playing international rugby. It's just like, oh, rather you than me. <laughs> And it's funny when you think about obviously the the contrast between himself and, and Marcus Smith, who he's going to be opposite this weekend. Like Marcus Smith turned twenty three last week. He's he's got a Premiership winners medal. He's played pretty much almost a hundred games of Premiership rugby, more than more than a hundred for Harlequins across all competitions. He's coming up on ten international caps. Some would say he should probably have more international caps. And he's been on a Lions tour as well, albeit a late call up. Johnny Sexton didn't play Test rugby until he was twenty four years old. So, you know, was it maybe is it the fact that he probably got the break a little bit later in his career that he's been able to go a bit longer? I think so. And, you know, look, um, I played for 19 years and, and it takes its toll on you. And, and especially here, I think, in the English system, because you don't necessarily get the, get the cushion of, of some of the, of, of the way the players do within the Irish provinces. And I think that's brilliant. Obviously, central contracts are very different to over here. Um, but... Uh, you know, if you look at Marcus Smith, he looks like someone that needs to be playing all the time. Um, to 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 play at his very best, he needs to be um, he needs to be out on the pitch doing doing what he does. And if England can keep him fit, then I think I think well, and the British Lions because I think he's got a big future for them as well. Yeah, and Fiona, like it is remarkable if if we move it back to I suppose the youth and onto Marcus Smith. Like as I said, he's just turned twenty three last month. And he's got all that experience under his belt. And I think what's interesting is if you look at him, he doesn't like he's not the biggest guy. He's relatively short and he's not he's not a complete gym monkey. He's not enormous, <laughs> uh, but he seems to be very, very durable at the same time. And, you know, not afraid to take the ball up to the line or anything to take it into contact. That durability seems to be to be really standing to. Yeah, that durability, but that's what make him the player he is. He could take the ball to the line. I mean, he's his short kicking game is one of the best I've seen for such a young player. Those little dinks in over the top. His ability to see things around him. You spoke earlier of Esther Husen. I've watched the two of them together with Harlequins. I love watching the Premiership and they've just built up a massive massive partnership and they and the rugby they play together is exciting so I think Marcus he, he's gently brought his game he's he's built it and built it and when he got up to that international level he just looks like he's at home he's enjoying it he's flicking the hair as you said earlier Tom he's loving it there's no pressure on him but he's physically able to take those hits because we know every flanker in the world is going to get out at him so he's he's well able but I think it's his sidestep his footwork he's probably worked on that over the years his ability to step around the tackler coming at him is absolutely brilliant and he's just getting himself out of trouble a lot and he just looks naturally looks at home with the ball in hand and also kicking game is getting better and better yeah and and Tom like particularly in the last maybe 12 months I think that every time he's made a step up be it getting an international game be it you know latter stages of premiership getting to finals Lions tour call up we've constantly asked the question you know is you know, how is he going to handle this step up now? This is another step up. This is another step up. At what point now has he climbed enough steps seamlessly without any real issues whatsoever that, you know, we can just actually say he is at that level. There's no need to worry about what the next step is because he can just comfortably take it on. I think we're there. Yeah. You know, I, I think, was it Western, 
uh, was it the Stormers that he played against in the Lions. I'm almost it, certain it was that, yeah. And he was instrumental in... Just and he was the, off the plane about 24 hours. Yeah. yeah ridiculous. <laughs> Ripped them to shreds. Um, and it, that led to people saying, well, if Finn Russell's not fit, just chuck him in. Um, you know, and I think I think that says something about people's, um, I, I guess, appetite to see Marcus Smith at the centre of what what teams are doing. Should he be involved with them, whether it be but whether it be with Queens England or the Lions? Um, but I think you know you, you have to take your hat off him whenever he's been asked a question, he's answered it. Yeah, and he seems to really really enjoy that pressure, Fiona. He loves it. He soaks it in. You can see him. He's he's constantly looking around. He's constantly talking to his backline. He's got that communication up to a high level as well. And and plays with a smile on his face. He's really enjoying it. And I think it's it's exactly that. It's 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 taking those steps doesn't seem to bother him. There is no issues. He's up to the next level, stepped off a plane, pulled all the strings in a game. And it's just, he looks like it's absolutely flawless and it just comes naturally to him. And I'd say it has. He's probably been working as that. As you said, he's 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 playing with Harlequins a long time. As a child, he's probably had dreams of playing in stadiums and it's stuck with him and we can see how natural and his ability is amazing to watch. Finally, before we wrap it up, Fiona, just one more question on Ireland. If we look at the, the way their games have gone over the last 12 months, that they started their winning run pretty much this time last year in round four against, against Scotland away, or sorry, against Italy in round three. So they're only, of the good 12 months they've had, their only away wins have come Italy away, Scotland away, and obviously they lost against France earlier in this campaign. For the development of the squad, like making another step as we move through towards the, the World Cup cycle, how big is a big away win at somewhere like Twickenham to to just have another box ticked off and another step along the road. This is massive for this squad. I think it's been three times we've been over to, to Twickenham and we haven't won in the last few years. So this is huge. We've seen far more cohesion with team with this team. We've seen the accuracy is up. We've seen, I, I, we talked about the breakdown. I mean, you've got a 96 success right there at the breakdown, three second rocks. We're constantly building things and we can talk about that and we can talk about stats, but it's the win. It's the win under the belt that really brings these guys and lifts them along. And I think Twickenham, to go to Twickenham on a Saturday, and to when England probably aren't playing the best rugby they've played in a long time and really stick it to them I think that will be a massive confidence builder going forward and then essentially going on to that summer tour in New Zealand All right, predictions time before we get England-Ireland predictions very quickly on on Wales-France Friday night in Cardiff one word answers, who's going to win? Fiona first (laughs) I'm crying here but I'm going to say it has to be France France Scotland, Italy, or Italy, Scotland, I should say, in Rome on Saturday afternoon before the big one. Italy. You're going really? Italy. <laughs> no, but um, poor old Italians. I'm going to unfortunately say Scotland. And then finally, Twickenham, England, Ireland. Who's going to do it, Tom? Go to you first. England. Go on, Tom. No way. I'm going to say Ireland by four. I'm going to have it a tight game and we're definitely going to win it by four. No bother to us, Tom. <laughs> okay, split opinions here. Split opinions here. I'm not going to give my answer because that's the that's the joy of being the host. I, want, I wonder which way it would go. I can I can sit in the fence <laughs> with that one. But as I said, we've got live uh, live commentary on RT Radio One this Saturday. Tom is going to be alongside Michael Corcoran for that as well. And the game is live on RT Two Television as well, and the RT Player. And we also have on Friday night on RT Two Wales against France that uh, kicks off at eight o'clock in Cardiff. But Fiona and Tom, thanks a million for joining us on this week's RT Rugby Podcast. 
the RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com.